Aaron? I'm feeling like it's Wednesday night, and it is the Evan and Aaron Show presents the Red and the Blue Soccer Chat. Welcome to our local haunt, our local hangout, Chatham Tap Fishers. This is Evan, man Aaron. We're here to talk about red and blue soccer stuff. That's that's what we do, man. That's just that's just what we do. And you know, this week, I gotta say that um, you know school is starting back up for for me, um, and you know it's 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 been a rough week. I was tired. But man, as soon as I heard that theme music, brother, I'm telling you, it just hit me, hit me in the right spot, buddy. Hit me in the right spot. Perks How are right you doing? Up, doesn't it? I am uh, in a much better mood than I expected to be <laughs> uh, when the week began. Wow. I can tell you, yes, rock on. Sound is good. We appreciate okay. that. A little feedback. Appreciate Excellent. It. Kevin said it's okay. Kevin says it's okay. There you go. And when Kevin says it's okay, it's usually time to do a shot. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's kind yeah. of early. It's kind of early. It's never too early to do shots with Kevin. Yes. Rock on with your codpiece. Um, yeah, Evan, um, I'm, I'm definitely in a better mood yes. to discuss this show tonight than I expected to be at about 2.45 in the afternoon uh, on Monday. Man. And um, I, I guess just hop right in. You know, I, I, as I said in the blurb, um, it's just been a yo-yo of a season, really, for both clubs thus far. Um, you know, Chelsea started out with a win, but not a very convincing win. Uh, and then a pretty decent performance against Spurs. Yes, uh, United. should have been a win. Yeah, it really should have I been. If, you know, been. On, on, and I'm sure we're going to dive gonna into dive that. Into that. Um, but United had, you know, uh, a good early start for 10 minutes against Brighton and Hove, and then... Um, Really, really just kind of fell apart defensively. Got themselves yeah. back into it with a goal, uh, but couldn't quite get over the hump. And then the second match against Brentford, uh, you know, if if that match is the catalyst to motivate this team and push them into where they need to be for the rest of the season, right. then I'll be happy for it. Absolutely. And people need to understand. Uh, oh, Oh, it is shot 30. My right. goodness. We're starting early here, folks. What, what is happening? Like Red Bull. Oh, it, w- it's what? Jaeger and Red Bull. Jaeger and Red Bull. Wait, we may have a new sponsor. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just saying I rarely drink Jaeger, and this may not turn out well, but well, it is what it is. Cheers. You're about to now. Okay. Cheers, guys. Love you. Cheers. Good friend of the Love pod, Kev. Oh. Was that his wedding? You know what? Okay. Or last year. It was a lovely lovely time. I'll take that. That's not bad at all. That's not bad at all. See? I like that. You you are are a a scholar and a gentleman. My job is to alter the negative image of Jaeger. And I think we're doing that. It doesn't taste as bad as you remember. Guys, I'm... I'm, (laughs) I try to do that every week. I'm telling you, Jaeger and Red Bull... Is for frat boys, but okay. Oh, well... White, white trash martini. Wait a minute. Anyway. Why, why are we doing this right now? <laughs> we need, we need a Jaeger theme. Okay. okay, um, okay. Love you. Bye. Love you, man. Love you, bye. Uh, it, this is why we come up here. This, yes. This is yes. why we do the show yes. from here. You never the know who's going to be around. The shenanigans. The shenanigans. The um, tomfoolery. Yes. The shithousery, if you will. <laughs> um, 
you know, there's going to be some more ups and downs this season for both of these clubs. Mm -hmm. But if some of these early setbacks, um, you know, especially for for United, who looked, you know, really, really poor in their their first two games, Mm. if this Liverpool match can, you know, be a way for them to move forward and obviously – you know, if Chelsea can use their setback at the weekend, oh. um, I, I think that'll be beneficial. Um, I, I got to say, I, I was incredibly pleasantly surprised by what I saw from Manchester United oh my goodness, on dude. Monday. Um, I, I would not have believed they would have had the, the team unity mm-hmm. that was shown. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know how true the narrative of, you know, it, it – you know, dropping Maguire and Ronaldo were big choices, and I sure. think it needed to happen yes. for what Ten Hag wants. I don't like the negativity that comes with it. I, I, I'm on a lot of United message boards, and, and their talk about Maguire really disappoints me because, you know, he has struggled, and I don't think anybody is aware of it more than Harry Maguire. Yeah. He knows the level he's supposed to be at. He's not been there. Um, so I don't like that. But the, the positives on the field are just so yeah, yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I noticed about that match was every time United scored, they immediately turned the camera on Ronaldo. And yeah. I'm like, you know, come on, guys. I'm, well, that's, that's I, that media narrative. They want to drive their wedge. And but, it's a United anti-United thing, too. But here's know? what I'm saying. As, as literally a, a football fan, mm-hmm. you know, and, and obviously as your friend, I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, this is a – some good soccer United yes. playing. They they yeah. played together. They were they were united in defense. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody went to ground at least once during that match. Yeah. I mean that's 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 a. I think that's what Tin Hog. If anything, he was trying to instill in them. That's what he was trying to instill yes. in them. Yes, that they need to work together. They need to work for each other. And yes. you saw a lot of that happening. I definitely think you know there, there were multiple changes that that got made. Um, you know, obviously Maguire and, and Ronaldo to the bench is a huge deal, but I, don't overlook uh, Malasia coming in for Luke Shaw at left back. He was tremendous. He was he did a fantastic amount of work keeping Mo Salah at bay. Yeah. Uh, and you know, for as poor and obviously um, picked on as Lissandro Martinez was against Brentford the week before, he was absolutely imperious. Yes. Um, but. You know, we've not seen it as, you know, as a United fan, I, I, had, I don't know these guys that well. I didn't, you know, see Malasia in the Dutch league all that much. I didn't see Lissandro get to play. I've seen him play for Argentina and know he's good. Um, but, you know, it was a little worrisome early on. Um, but they're new. So, so those question marks are to be expected. To me, the real pleasant surprise was how involved, how active – the work that Rashford and Sancho yes. put in, both sides of the ball, uh, working to close down space, yep. absolutely causing problems for what I'd like to, you know, I'm going to give myself a little kudos here <laughs> and, and say early on, I, you know, my predictions for the beginning of the season, Liverpool's still a good team, and let's face it, they were the better team for long stretches in that match mm. for their possession, mm-hmm. but they didn't do a lot with it, and then when they turned it over, they did look like they could be gotten at and you know van dyke um oh. I, I think is definitely partially at fault for that first goal as evidenced by james milner yeah. um really getting into him 
And then uh, there was a, a statistic that said uh, Anthony Marshall was the very was the first person, I believe, the only person in the Premier League to dribble past Van Dyke three times in a match, and his turn on the halfway line to create space, and then the ball in behind for Marcus Rashford. Oh my and goodness! Look, dude. in the last six months, that ball to Marcus. His confidence wasn't there, and, and he would have put it wide or he'd put it into the goalkeeper. Yep. He composed himself at pace, and it was a reminder of what this kid was like 18 yeah. months to two years ago. Yep. Sancho, you know, his movement scored a nice first goal. He actually had so much time once he put Milner on his ass. Oh, my God. I mean, it, if you look at the replay, he has so much time. Bruno's in the corner pointing. Yes. Where to take the shot. Yes. It, it was yes. at, it, I've never seen anything like it. It was really quite funny. And I just, I have all the praise in the world for everybody. Delote, who I've been down on, played oh, yeah. really, really well. Yep. And um, De Gea, I, you know, the rumors are now that, that you know, he want, that Ten Hag wants Trap or he wants Summer to come in. But for we, what we asked of David De Gea. We've had a De Gea sighting, man. I mean. Well, and he, he I think the best aspects of his game this time, you know, most of the time you're talking about him for one one or two reasons. Mm -hmm. One, he makes a world-class save and you're just like, how the hell did he do it? Yes. Or he makes kind of a bonehead mistake, you know, like last week, costs some goals, especially from his feet. It's, you know, I, I've defended him, but it's not why he's ever been out there. He's sure. never been that type right. of goalkeeper. Right. He's right. just one of the best shot stoppers that we've ever seen. But this week, clearly his instruction from Ten Hag was, if you're closed down at all, play it upfield, and we'll recycle. Yeah. And I know that's not necessarily what he wants, but it's, look, when in doubt, play it out is, is always what you heard as a kid. Yeah. And I know that, you know, great teams figure out how to play out of the back, but sometimes, and you even watch City, you watch Liverpool, you watch mm -hmm. Bayern Munich, all these teams that have made, you know, turned it into what it is, yes. uh, still sometimes get caught on the ball. And De Gea made good decisions getting the ball out, and United did good work with it and then understood they weren't going to have the ball for long stretches of time. Right, right. And the mentality required to play without the ball, especially for guys who want to be on the ball. Bruno wants to be on the ball. Marcus wants to be on the ball. Jaden wants to be on the ball. But to have the mentality and, and commitment to saying, I'm only going to see it 25, 30% of the time, and then when I do, I'm going to make it count. Immediately make it count. So, so I was impressed. What did you see from it? So here's what, I, here's what I want to lead in with right here. Yes. So you're saying we're going to talk about Bruno. Yeah. <laughs> I am going to talk about Bruno, my friend, because here's the deal. Um, shithousery aside. Mm -hmm. Right. I, if you watch this match and you saw his face as he's playing, if you saw his face as he made that cross, you know, and, and Rashford put it away, this guy found himself, I think. He found himself in this match, and he found himself really loving to play. I think Bruno... Bruno reasserted himself mm -hmm. as, as, as part of the core of this team. I'm not sure that he put himself in that captain spot yet, but as Bruno Fernandez goes, so does Man U, at least yeah. in this match they did. He was the heart and soul of their attack. Like, this guy, he was everywhere. 
in this match and and to see the joy yeah which is missing yeah it was missing for a long time from united and united is a team that plays with joy that mm -hmm. plays with you know fervor he brought that on the field and, 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 and i saw him react in such a way yes were there a couple times that Bruno, you know, tried to play the penalty and stuff like that? Absolutely. That's who he is. But that's who he is. And that's that's where this league is going. That's that's, well, that's where it's always been part going. of it. It's, it's always, always been, part, been of it. part of it. But Bruno Fernandez, it, to me, Eric Tinhog did the right thing in allowing this guy to to be part of this this match as far as the, the gameplay, to let him kind of, you know, do his thing. And when you let Bruno do his thing. Bruno creates plays yes. like he created there. Yeah, I mean it was it was a thing of genius in my in my opinion. So Bruno Fernandez, man of the match for me. For me, thank you. For me, and I hate to I hate to belabor the point, but when Bruno came into Manchester United, he came in halfway through the season. He came in the January transfer window a few years back and really set the league alight. Absolutely mm -hmm. was in, he was immediately involved in goals. You could see the impact he had on yes. United. And he carried that on for a while. But I think he is somewhat in awe of Cristiano Ronaldo. He's oh, wow. definitely used wow. to deferring to him for the Portuguese national team, and I think it has caused Bruno to shrink. Bruno has not been the same player over wow. the last year or so, and I think it directly coincides with Cristiano being on the field. He's, you know, it, if Cristiano's not there, Bruno takes penalties. Cristiano walks in, and suddenly he's that man, and Bruno's not a Cristiano-type personality. He's not a, I need to be the biggest man on the field, mm -hmm. right? It, 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 that's not his personality. But the joy he plays with does oh. seem to be stifled when he has to sort of, he seems to shrink a little bit. And I think we've seen Rashford shrink, although I think part of that was injuries. Sure. But we've not seen these guys at their best and for a change. And just for one match. Look, Manchester United uh, go away, I believe, to Southampton at the weekend. And... That is going to be an interesting test. Are they going to have a letdown? Is all mm. that passion mm. just there because it was Liverpool? It's like, look, I don't care where Michigan and Ohio State are in the standings. <laughs> when they play each other, it's a war. It is a war. When IU and Purdue yes. meet on the basketball court, it's a war. Rivalries yes. matter. Manchester United and Liverpool are the just most massive rivalry in English football. Yep. So... It shouldn't be difficult to get excited for that. No. But if these guys walk out at Southampton early Saturday morning and stink the joint up, then we can kind of see where things are going. But if they come out and they just sweep Southampton's side, mm. and again, there's going to be setbacks. There's going to be moments on the field where they're just not quite clicking. Sure. But if they bring the same energy, the same passion, the same unity – that they did against Liverpool, they should beat Southampton badly. I, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. I think Man U has found themselves. And it's interesting because people, when you talk about sports, you we now are starting to talk about sports psychology. Yes. Right? And I think you hit on something very, very key. The psychology of the team that was out there on Monday, 
was a, a very much a mindset of like, okay, this is Old Trafford. We, you know, we defend our house. We, you know, we are out for there. For a change. For a change. I mean, it was not Fortress Old Trafford for the no, last year no, or so. No, it, it did not, not scare people. No, it was not. But now they've asserted themselves and yes. they've said, you know what, look, we are in our house. So when yeah. you come to our house, it doesn't matter if you're Liverpool. doesn't matter if you're Everton. doesn't matter if you're Nottingham Forest. doesn't matter if you're Man City. Yeah. When you come here... Prepare yourselves for a fight, and I think that they showed that, and they showed that in force. Yes, on Monday, which which is so impressive, dude. I I I, I literally am ex- so excited for you. I'm gonna wake up at 7:30 a.m. Well, I, on Saturday, I appreciate that. And and uh, cheesy as it is, I, I couldn't find a good, clean Man U jersey to, to wear tonight, but I thought it was fitting. Believe. To, to, to follow the mantra of, yes. of our adopted coach, yes. Lasso, you got to believe. Got to believe. You got to have faith as a fan. And sometimes oh. it's, it's difficult. So let's transition. Yeah, I was going to say you're transitioning. Uh, wait, now, wait. Here uh, we go. Yeah. yeah. Till we die. Well, it is difficult sometimes being yes. a fan. I think, unfortunately, you could maybe see this coming a little bit. Uh, maybe, yeah. maybe not a three-nil, but is I'll, I'll let you just kind of have the floor here. But if Bruno Mendy, or I'm sorry, Edward Edward Mendy, don't confuse those guys. <laughs> Bruno, Bruno, Bruno. See, there that's how it goes. Uh, if Mendy gets rid of that ball first time and yes. they don't give up an early goal yep. and then turn around and give up one right after that. Yep. Chelsea might have found their way into that match. Mm-hmm. But Leeds truly outworked them and then caused problems with the, with their work. Yes. Tell me how you're feeling. Dude, let's let's go back a match. Right? Mm, let's absolutely. Let, let, let's go back let's go back to the uh, to the Tottenham match. Um, Chelsea played like the Chelsea I fell in love with. They took control. They were like, okay, we are at the bridge. And we are going to, you know what? We we defend. Once again, there's a theme here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. There is a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde Absolutely. theme here tonight. And I think both Red and Blue have experienced that this season. This season. The, the, the issue is, is that Red is is Dr. Jekyll right now. I think that that um, what we experienced the week before was our Dr. Jekyll. It's like yes, you know, we are able to play the type of football that Chelsea plays. We we know we don't have a solid number nine, but yet we were able to get the ball around. We were able to create things um, to to happen. Koulibaly had a great great header goal that was wonderful. Um, I'm going to say Rudiger-esque, um, you know, and so that reestablished him as kind of our you know main guy in the back. We were able to see Reese James do his thing. We were able to see you know the, the guys up front doing their thing. Um, it was just a great match, and some of the calls, I think, across the league, people were like, "What the hell?" Yeah, yeah, there was what some the questionable hell? calls. Questionable calls. That. Hey, one GFLP of the regulars. That put aside, 
I have several things to say about this last match. Number one, um, Mindy, Edward Mindy, do, do not take on an attacker after 36 minutes of nonstop pressure. Jess, Jesse Marsh had those guys playing incredibly well yeah. and, and, and kept the pressure up. You know, Mindy, you're a keeper, dude. You're one of the best in the league. I believe that. He's one of the best in the league. Be one of the best in the league. Get rid of that ball. That was a mistake. Yes. Dan we'll talk about well, well, okay. Yeah, well, there you go. That was a mistake. But you don't score that goal unless Aronson and Leeds, unless they kept the pressure, if they yeah. didn't keep the pressure. That goal came I, from three passes earlier. Leeds made them pay. Yeah. And that's what a great team does. It makes you pay for your mistakes. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Props to Jesse Marsh. Props to the boys at Leeds. That first goal, you know what? That's on us. We got it. Here's what I will say, though. First half, Chelsea was on the attack a lot more than Leeds was. Oh, sure. A lot more. Um, second thing I want to say is Koulibaly killed us. Killed yeah, us yeah, by game. that stupid early penalty. And he knows better than that. Mm -hmm. He knows better. And then the penalty that counted that actually did help us because you think about it, it's like, okay, goal differential. Yeah, let's stop this attack. Someone else could have taken it, but Koulibaly was there. Koulibaly took it, got a red card. Now he's out for the next match. That was a really amateurish decision. Uh, I, I, you know, his, his, the first foul, you can look at it as maybe just being a little too aggressive. Yep. Um, trying to put his stamp on the match, seeing that things aren't going uh, Chelsea's way a whole lot. But... There was absolutely no need to commit an intentional None. foul in that position, and you have to know you're on a card, and you have yes. to know the referee's going to send you for that. It, right. it was just that was that was high school level stuff there. That yes. that was uh, that was <clears throat> like watching uh, I don't know, who was the Colts quarterback last year? Oh, uh, uh, um, Wentz. Yeah, Carson Wentz. I mean, how many times have you been told not to roll right and throw back across your body? And this guy's an NFL quarterback. You're how not many Brett times Favre, buddy. You're do you not have Brett to Favre. know that you've been, that you've picked up a foul, you have, you, you've picked up a booking, you have to be smart about it, and then to commit such an obvious foul? There, mm -hmm. There's no, there's not even a, oh well, I didn't mean to do it, or uh, you know, it wasn't a bad foul. Nah, bro. You he committed knew. an intentional foul in the he center knew. of the field, and you had coverage. Yep. There was no reason to do it. So it, the knock-on effect of that, I think, uh, is going to be interesting to see who Chelsea puts on the field this yep. weekend against Leicester. Yeah. Um, second goal, it was a bad card on Sterling. I don't think Sterling deserved a card there. That that was. That, I, I, I don't think so. It's a but foul. I, I don't know say, that it's a card. But, but here's the deal. Great header by Rodrigo. Oh. Beautiful header yeah. by Rodrigo. Nobody marked him. No, he, the guy was able to run in and out of the defense and free header. Excellent play, um, Mindy. I don't. I don't fault you for that because that was just that was just an excellent header. Oh yeah, he's, um, he's not at fault. For yeah, that. no. Third goal, um, Koulibaly couldn't be aggressive. He he just couldn't. And Kukurea was off all game long. Yeah. Um, Harrison wasn't marked at all. No. He wasn't marked at all. And the ball ricocheted, hey, came down to Harrison. That happens. The second ball, especially in the box, the second ball is is always uh, just a killer. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, you know, you got to be switched on. you got to follow your guys. And the, I'm, I'm sure if you look at that replay, you're going to watch an awful lot of dudes just standing around mm -hmm. while Leeds is active. 
Yep, absolutely. And, and here's the final thing I'll say. We have no number nine. No, no. Havertz is killing us. The well, guy, his his head hasn't been there all season. But he's not a number nine. He's not a number nine. But his head hasn't been. He hasn't. He hasn't looked like Havertz of 2021. Like Correct. like even preseason into the first you know three game three matches. He hasn't looked like Havertz at all. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. Where's Where's Ziak? Ziak had an incredible strike. Guess who was in the way? Havertz. Yeah. I'm not sure what's happening there. Where's Mount? Mount is nowhere to be found, has some great opportunities, can't convert. Where's Chilwell? Chilwell's not getting playing time. He didn't get playing time. Where's Pulisic? What? That was my next point. Where's Pooley? Why do you wait? Why do you wait, Thomas Tuchel, to put in some fresh legs, some, some, some new perspective on it? Yeah, you know, we've had all kinds of near misses. Yeah. But we do not have that killer instinct around goal. We don't have that killer instinct around goal. And we, we, we've talked about this before. You know, you think of Olivier Giroud. He what would have happened? He would come in handy. Exactly. Right He'd come in handy. Super sub. Yep. Right? What if, you know, we had an Olivier Giroud that we could bring in at the very end? Well, I honestly, and I'm going to say it, and I'm going to throw it out, and Blues fans, you can come at me all you want. I think we have one in the making in Christian Pulisic. I think Pulisic pushes the tempo enough to change the match up front. I think that he can keep possession. I think that he can create, and he can score. I don't think that Tuchel is giving him the opportunity that he needs, and it hurts me to say this, kills me to say this, my friend. As an American, I would like to see Pulisic go to um, either, um, oh, wait a minute, Italy? Or Leeds. And let Jesse Marsh do yeah. with him what he knows that he can do. I, I know, well, I know you're shaking your head no, and I wanted to throw that out there because I knew it would be controversial. But think about it. Right now, he is sitting on the bench. One of the, one of the most promising young American players there are out there. And he's not getting playing time, dude. And, and something's not working. This isn't working. Well, it's I, not working, dude. I, do, I don't disagree with that, but my pushback on playing Pulisic I, I, uh, for sending him to Leeds is – He's already demonstrated that the physicality and high pace of the league is a bit problematic for him. He's injury prone. And I'm not sure putting him in a team that is completely based around uh, just high balls to the wall, pressure, getting physical with teams, disrupting their play is going to suit him. Now, I'm in total agreement mm. if, if uh, you know, that Juventus deal yep. could have come to fruition. I think that would have made a lot of sense. Um, there's, you know, there's been a, uh, a floated loan swap deal yeah. um, of uh, Pulisic and Maguire going opposite directions. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how I feel about it. I, I definitely believe that Maguire could help out Chelsea in the sense that, one, he just needs a change of, of, of venue. He needs a change mm -hmm. of scenery. Good point. And, and Chelsea don't play quite the high line that Manchester United do, so... I don't think his, his pace would be problematic. Chelsea do like to play that longer ball a bit more. Yep. Not that they're a long ball team, but Maguire can play that ball between the lines. So I think it's, strangely enough, uh, 
I think it's almost a better deal for Chelsea than it would be for United because I think Pulisic would run into the same problems he has at Chelsea, and that is there's other really, really good players in those positions, and his durability works against him. If he went to Spain or if he went to Italy, I, I think he could look really, really good. Um, but I definitely agree with you that he's – he does not really fit into what Chelsea's trying to do right now. Unfortunately, I can't figure out what it is Chelsea's trying to do. Thank I don't you. really understand what Thank the you. plan is, and maybe that just comes about by not having the personnel, and therefore you can't have your plan. Here's and, and here's what I'll wrap up with, is that we, we've we said this, and I, I'm going to give myself a pat on back because I said this from the very beginning of the season. This is the way that Chelsea's season is going to go, guys. Yeah. This is the way it's going to be. We are going to be up and we are going to be down. And it's not going to be for like a two or three or four match run. It literally is going to be from match to match. Yeah. We don't know what's coming next. We don't know who's going to be on, on the pitch or anything like that. Yeah. Good impersonation of Daly. <laughs> so, so, ladies and gentlemen, with that analysis being done, um, we are now at our halftime. Is it halftime? It is halftime. Wow. And look, we are literally um, 50 seconds away from halftime, my friend. So that's, that's, that's really... That assumes we actually have it. Well, well yes. Uh, you know. So I, long as we come in under an hour, we can post on Instagram. Uh, well, uh, apparently yeah. that's our, our main, hey, main concern. I'm not sure we have another hour, another half hour stuff to talk about, but that's okay. We, we'll figure it out. But um, we are at our halftime shot, ladies and gentlemen. And once again, shout out to Chatham Tap Fishers. Um, Aaron, why don't you hit us up with the uh, Premier League times this weekend that um, Chatham Tap Fishers will yep. be up? Uh, Chatham Tap will be open at 10 a.m. on Saturday, and they will be serving that yummy, yummy breakfast. I highly recommend. Deuce's uh, eggs. Deuce's eggs are pretty good. I've been going with uh, bacon and toast lately, and the bacon, oh. is, bacon is super, super crispy. Really Really enjoy the bacon at CTF. Uh, Sunday, 11 a.m., no breakfast, uh, but you can come in and enjoy the wings. But Saturday, 10 a.m., with breakfast. There it you is. go. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, we have our special guest to the pod. We have Claire, who's here. Hello. Halftime shot. Bartender extraordinaire. Exactly. So exactly. come on down to Chatham Tap whenever you get a chance, folks, uh, but especially on the weekends. And I'll be here both days. Woohoo! Slanty. Oh. That's a lot of shots. So, Evan. Yes. Um, I want to ask you yeah. real quick. Yeah. Outside of Chelsea and Liverpool, or I'm sorry, outside of Chelsea and Manchester United, that's a horrible slip. Oh, my goodness. Outside of Chelsea and Manchester United, you matches, get your red card taken away from Right. Uh, give me a highlight of the weekend. What, what did you see, good, bad, whatever, that just stood out in your mind? Um, as, as a memorable moment. Well, I'm going to kind of, I don't know, I'm going to kind of foresee things here, mm -hmm. be an oracle, if you will. Um, the fact that Brentford and Everton are coming into the weekend both off of wins. Mm, yes. Um, they they are playing some decent soccer, and, and it's, it's quite surprising um, the fact that you know, Brentford has has played as they have. You know, as they have. Um, let's see. So they dropped one to Fulham. Unfortunately, you know, one against Manu. Um, but and they 
they got a draw against Leicester. Le- Le- Leicester. 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 See? Southeastern Ohio, man. That's what it is. Um, I think they're playing some pretty good soccer. They're playing some decent soccer. Are we still on? We are still on. I'm just okay. trying to look. I, I have. S- man, you got a lot of work there, buddy. <laughs> right. <laughs> But but that's my that's my thing. I, I, I'm excited to see you know Everton, um, you know start the year well. Mm. Um, they dropped one to us, dropped one to Aston Villa, but both of those matches were pretty competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, came back, you know, got a draw with Nottingham Forest. So, I think that those two teams, I honestly I thought they would get steamrolled mm. at the beginning of the season, um, but they came out and I think they're ready to play. I think they're ready to play. So that one could be an exciting match because both of those teams, quite frankly, um, find themselves toward the bottom of the table, but they want to try and fight their way up. And, and I think that'd be a good match. So I'm going to say Everton and Brentford, man. They're, they're my kind of like, hmm, interesting. Well, dark horse action. Yeah. All right. I, and I understand, especially with Frank, we want to see Frank do well. I've always Frank. been a fan of Frank. Uh, even when he played for yep. for Chelsea and was causing United problems, uh, just always had a soft spot for the yep. guy. I love the way he plays the game, uh, and I hope he's a successful manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, How about you, my friend? For me, I tell you what, the the Manchester City Newcastle match. I mean, I think after five minutes with City scoring, I think a lot of people were seeing a three four nothing scoreline happening oh, yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and the way Newcastle fought back, mm. pinned City back, and really said, we're not afraid of you. Right. We're going to go for it. And it set up a grandstand finish. It really could have gone either way. But just a tremendous, I mean, it was high-quality match. And you can see why now a lot of teams are looking for Alan St. Maximin and maybe Joel Linton. But if Newcastle can keep that group of players together, if they, mm. if they, you know, and look, They've got the money now. You know, they can oh, yeah. say, stay here. Yep. And, and I'm a, I was a little surprised they didn't splash a bit more cash during the summer window. I don't know what the issue is there. You know, I don't know what difficulties they have. But I was really expecting them to, you know, bring in a, a veteran uh, British player, um, somebody that has plenty of experience, you know, uh, kind of along the lines of what they've done with Kieran Trippier. You know, okay. a lot of experience played at a high level, and I don't, I don't really have any one in particular that, that I'm suggesting because, honestly, they have solid players in some good positions, but I, I think they could obviously upgrade in a few places. But I tell you, it, will, it might be interesting if in two years we're talking about Newcastle as a team challenging for the top. Yeah, yeah I mean, look, Nick Pope is a very good goalkeeper, and given the style that they play, he doesn't need to have – you know, some of the other attributes that are being, you know, the reason why De Gea is being shopped now, sure. or rather not being shopped, but they're looking for other goalies, is because Trap and Summer have that footwork yeah. that Tin Hog wants. Yeah. Pope doesn't necessarily need that right now for Newcastle. They're not trying to be Man City. They're trying to be one of the top 10, top six teams. Right. But you look, and I mean, Fabian Scherer is a really nice player, in my opinion. Uh, Kieran Trippier has proved it. Bruno Guimaraes is really making a name for himself. Mm. Joe Linton has played well. Joe Willick has played well. Callum Wilson, Wilson against kind of all, yes, thank you. Callum Wilson kind of against all other criticism has, I, I would say, made this his position. 
he's always sort of threatened to be this player, but he's he's finally becoming this. He's taking his opportunities. Yeah. And then Alan St. Maximin just scares the living shit out of defenders. This is <laughs> that th- this reminds me, and this is a bit of hyperbole. I get it, but. Allenson Maximin, when he gets on the ball or runs at people, he reminds me of Wilf Zaha, and he reminds me of early Cristiano Ronaldo. He gets the ball, and he has a one thought in mind. I'm getting into that box. Well, I'm getting there, and you're going to have to figure out what to do about yeah. me. And we saw, you know, Newcastle's second goal came about because Allen St. Maximin makes a great run across the top of the 18. Stones really has no choice but to bring him down. And then you've got Kieran Trippier taking a phenomenal free kick. This team can hurt you, and I'm so excited for Miggy Almiron. Comes from the MLS, Mm. making a name for himself in the biggest league in the world. Newcastle, to me, is interesting. I think their biggest problem is if they get injured, we're looking at guys like Emil Krath and Sean Longstaff (laughs) and Jacob Murphy coming off the bench. I don't mean to disparage. They're all better soccer players than I am. But when Liverpool can call on Fabinho to come off the bench, ask yourself why Fabinho didn't start. If he was healthy enough for the bench, he's healthy enough to start. Liverpool fans, we need you to weigh in on that. City. City's got an entire second team sitting on that bench. Oh, my God. You know, if if you don't go deep in this league, you're not going to have much success. So Newcastle's next priority is to bring in a handful of you know players that can improve the team while also convincing some of these guys that have done well there yeah. stick around yeah absolutely yes. stick around so uh, that was a long way to to say newcastle and city was honestly one of the best competitive and enjoyable matches i've seen in a while yep. and uh hopefully it tells us two things newcastle is going to be competitive all year long and City is not going to run away with the league. So what do you think, and, and, and I'm going to throw this out there because I, I want to hear what you got to say about this. What do you think about Brighton and Leeds? Is this like a a match that's going to maybe you know set a course for one of those two teams to be like, look, we are for real. We are people that want to challenge for the top, you know, not just top half, but the top, you know, six, top four of the league. Ooh. I think... I think for both of those teams, challenging for the top four is just a little bit outside. Uh, I mean, we've seen it with um, West Ham and Everton, probably most consistency. A lot more recently, Tottenham were hovering around. Before they've made the you know the, sure. the top four, but I mean, they were hovering around. And we see how difficult it really is to maintain the consistency to, to get the points that you need at this level to challenge for those spots. Mm-hmm. Um, and the depth. You know, West Ham, for years, for the last couple of years now, I mean, that first 11's terrific. Yeah. But in the dog days of, of the league, when you hit, you know, February, March, yeah. and yeah. You're, you're still competing on multiple fronts, and you need to run through, you know, you got to be using 16, 17 guys every three to five days. They don't have it. Yeah. Brighton doesn't have that. And I don't think Leeds goes that deep, but I think Leeds is a better team. I think Leeds is going to be top ten this year. Yeah. I, they are in. I hate. I'm a Man U fan, so I. It's just in our DNA <laughs> to hate. It's Leeds sure, and right. Liverpool, right? To a lesser extent, City, because City weren't any good when I was a fan. When right. I was when I was you know first with this team, but those are the three big rivals. But I'm an American. 
and I wasn't born there, so I don't have this ingrained in me quite as much. Yeah. And seeing Jesse Marsh, oh. and Tyler Adams, Aronson. and and Brendan Aronson doing what they're doing. Look, I tell you what, right now, if you're Greg Berhalter, <laughs> does Brendan Aronson start over Christian okay. Pulisic? Okay, so so I saw this, I saw this on several Chelsea. You know, type pages and By stuff the way, like Evan's mashing some of the really great seasoned fries that they have oh here. I also recommend those. And if you yeah. really want to kick it up a notch, go garlic cheese chips. It's yes. those seasoned fries with a garlic ranch dressing and shredded cheese. Also, oh. uh, if you want a little hack, get your fish and chips that way too. Oh, yeah. they're called crack fries, ladies and gentlemen. So anyway, um, dude, I, for, for me, what I want to ask you, is simply this, like the match that is coming up this weekend that you are probably most excited about other than Man U Southampton. What is it? Real quick, I'm looking at the Saturday matches and City Palace is going to be interesting. Now, I think um, City's going to be pissed. Oh, yeah. But Palace have got game. Mm-hmm. I think Palace are, are another one of those teams that should be looking beyond 10th. They should be looking top six. They should be wow. looking to try to grab one of those extra Europa League, Europa Conference spots. They're probably not a top four team. Sure. But, look, reach as high as you possibly can, and if you fall st- short, you're still pretty high off the ground. I think Palace... That first 11 is impressive. Again, they yeah. just don't go deep enough, but that doesn't mean this early in the season without injuries and stuff like that. I could see Palace turning around doing the exact same thing Newcastle did. I could see a 3-3 draw there. Oh, wow. Wow. Upset of the weekend? Um, upset of the weekend. I think. Oof. I know. <laughs> I know Oof. what's tempting. I know what's tempting oh, to say. Man. I get it. I get it. I'm looking at this, and there's a part of me that wants to say that Arsenal's luck has got to run Ooh. out at some point. Ooh. I don't think Bournemouth has it in them to beat Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Leicester beats Chelsea. Oh. I knew that's where you were going. I hate to say it, I, and and honestly, I, I'm I'm I don't think there's anything real big here because I think I think Tottenham are going to handle Forest. I just mm-hmm. don't see them. I mean, is Wolves beating Newcastle an upset? I mean, where they are on the yeah, table I'm not is sure. Not sure. Uh, Villa beating West Ham might be considered an upset, but I just don't think they're far enough apart. But tell you what, let's have some fun and let's say Fulham beats Arsenal. Oh wow! Okay, thank you know what. My friend, my friend, love I'm here you, for him. Love you. I'm here for him. Um, here, Chelsea Leicester is not going to be a pretty match. No, it's not going to be. No, it's not going to be. Vardy's going to be pissed. It needs to be a turf war. It, it, I it mean, does. Honestly, you guys need to turn that into an absolute turf war. Yeah. And just kick their asses. Yes. Because Leicester's on the ropes right now. You guys yeah. still have gravitas. You guys still have a personality about you. Mm-hmm. Missing a number nine, but that doesn't change the fact that there's talent all over that pitch. Yeah. Leicester, they're struggling, and I tell you, between now and then, they might be another couple players down, and one of them might be wearing your jersey. Uh, that's true. That's very true. Um, my upset of the weekend, um, honestly, I, I 
I can't go with Arsenal Fulham. I can't do it. I, I, Arsenal is. They look good. They, 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 they look, look really good. good. They look really good. Um, I, I'm i going to say Bournemouth has it in them to go Ooh. into Liverpool and to show that Liverpool is in trouble. What I saw from the Man U-Liverpool match, like, they're in trouble. And I think Man U has now said, hey, Premier League, this is the way you play Liverpool without Sayo Mane. Mm-hmm. This is the way you do it. And, and I think teams are paying attention to that. Yeah. I think that, honestly, I, I really do believe that Bournemouth has enough legs mm-hmm. to be able to play defense, to be able to, to frustrate Salah, to be able to frustrate Virgil on you know mm-hmm. the defensive side. And I think they can sneak one. I think they can sneak one or yeah. two in. I, I could see it, and uh, you echo the sentiment I read in an article earlier today, and I can't remember who, who it was. I can't remember if it was a, a current player um, or not. But they said the blueprint for how to play against Liverpool is out there now. Mm-hmm. Um, you, they can be gotten at in certain parts of the field, and everybody knows what their game plan is, yeah. You know what, what they want to do out of possession, in possession, that sort of thing. So you can plan for it. They're not a mystery anymore. City City can hit you in so many ways that you can try to plan for a whole bunch of stuff, and then sure. Kevin De Bruyne goes, look at this pass. Right. Liverpool have a very specific style of play right now that require a very specific 11, in my opinion, yes. to be on the field. Yes. And if they're not firing, I'm with you. They're I, vulnerable. I, let's, hey, let's go Cherries. Hey, and you know what? It, 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 we're going to jump to the Bundesliga for just a little bit. Mane, mm. I, 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 I agree with you, what you said. Bayern has not skipped. They, they've not missed a beat. Oh, like they they're have, even better. They're even better because their play is more, it flows better across the pitch because of what Mane yeah. brings to the table. So I think that Liverpool misses Mane. I think we saw that oh, on absolutely. Monday. And I think that teams will continue to exploit that. Now, does Bournemouth have enough firepower to get it done? I don't know. But that's why we call it an upset. That's why yeah. we call them the underdog yep. in this. And so, ladies and gentlemen, those are our matches of the week to look toward. And that brings us to the Hey Aaron Show. That's awesome. USA. USA. Um, I wanted to have fun tonight. Let's do it. Uh, you know, I've been chomping on the you, have. you know little fries and stuff like that because you know my my alcohol tolerance isn't what it used to be. Uh, also, man's coming straight straight, straight from, from work from the work. Students got this today. They yeah. got this today. They were like, "Oh, Professor Casey, you're a Chelsea fan." I'm like, "Yes, we took an L, a big L this weekend, but at me on it." Anyway, yeah. um, tonight on the Hey Aaron segment. We are going to go to um, the World Cup. All right. All right. And even though, you know, we, we have our feelings about it. We do. Um, we both love food. Oh. I love food. Yes. I hope you guys love food. And uh, Claire, do you love food? I'm going to need you to look at this and know that I love food. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Girl, you do you. That's a... <laughs> Yes, I love food. I could never yes. work at a bar with crappy food. 
That is why we're here. There you go. Right, right, right from the mouths of babes. Yes, uh, yes. We, yes. Ha- we, have, we have all the food here. And breakfast is new on the weekends, and it's fire, guys. There you go. There it's you excellent. go. So come join us. Um, so we're going to talk about food tonight, and I have 10 of the nations mm. from the World Cup. And, Aaron, I want you to tell me what you think your favorite food or what you know your favorite food is. All right. From each nation. All righty. And I have two wild cards right. that I won't tell you about, okay? But number one, the Netherlands. Oh, tell you, Netherlands is awesome because it is truly a, a melting pot of not just Europe, but sort of Central Europe and Asia and all that mixture. And so many people have, have unfortunately had to flee there at different times, but it's also just <laughs> a, a major port, a major hub. Um, and... I'm going to be silly. My absolute favorite thing is Dutch Garni, which Dutch Garni is just an assortment of appetizer fried foods, but they're very, very clever. And specifically, they have automats called Fabo on certain street corners where you can go and you pluck in a a Euro and you can get a a chicken sandwich if you want. But my favorite are they have... They'll, they'll just be a ball or uh, it'll look like an egg roll. Okay. And instead of being a hush puppy or an egg roll, it will be cream of chicken and rice inside an egg roll. Or it will be uh, a spicy beef and cheese mixture in the little, I think they're called bitter balls. They're amazing, wow. and at the end of a long, long day of doing <laughs> the various things that you do doing when you are you in, in Amsterdam, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have stood around with a pocket of euros and uh, just eaten myself silly at oh. the end of the night on, on the variety of things uh, that you can get at a Fabo, and I would really like to open one on the corner in Broader Blavity. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right, my friend, we are going, um, we're going west, and we're going to the good old land of Angleland. We're going to England. What is your favorite thing in England to eat, my friend? Oh, wow. You know, the easy choice would be uh, fish and chips. I do love fish and chips. They are fantastic, but I like a good sausage roll. You can get them at halftime the games. Ooh. You can get them as a snack uh, at, at, at a lot of local pubs. Mm-hmm. Sometimes sausage. Sometimes, you know, uh, it just kind of depends on, on what the lo- local delicacy is. Wow. Uh, but a good sausage roll, a Greg's sausage roll, if you will. You can get a Greg's. A Greg's, it's uh, like a morning breakfast place. Oh. Uh, think of it like uh, getting an Egg McMuffin from McDonald's, uh. but you get a sausage roll from Greg's, oh. and it's just, it's fresh, it's piping hot. Mm. It comes in a little paper sack, and you just oh. eat it while you're walking on your way to work. It's delicious. I love sausage. I love it. Oh, boy. You know, me taking several ways. But anyway, um, let's move on, shall we? Mexico. You know, people have such a misconception about Mexico uh, and honestly focus on most of the the northern foods. Um, Mexico's massive, and their cuisine really spans a lot. Uh, But i tell you what I'm digging recently is elote, whether it's on the stick or whether it comes in a dish. It's 
It's sweet corn with mayonnaise, cotilla cheese, uh, tahini spice, bit of lime on it. It's absolutely delicious. If you get it, I, I, there's a, I have a local taco truck just north of me in Broad Ripple, and uh, it comes on the stick, and that's awesome. But you are guaranteed to just need to be hosed down when it's over. Because nice. eating Indiana sweet corn is messy on the best of days. Yes. You throw mayonnaise and cheese and oh. all sorts of shit on there, uh, it gets super messy. So I would recommend getting the little cup bowl of it if you can. But wow. uh, loving it. Loving the elotes. Okay, Aaron. Parlez-vous français? Oui. Uh, un peu, mais je suis... Mm. Wait, je Fer, Fermez le grand gros bouche. That's what I used to get told by my Frenchie. Shut your big <laughs> Shut fat your mouth. Shut your big fat <laughs> mouth. What do you think, man? France. What, what, what would you like? Croque monsieur, baby. I'm a street food kind of oh, guy. Okay. All right. So when I visit the big cities, I love the street foods. So you go to New York, you got to get you, you know, get you a Coney dog, New there York you dog. You go to Chicago, you get your Chicago dog. Yep. Uh, you go to uh, Paris, get you a really, really good croque monsieur. Nice and toasty and crunchy, mm. big thick ham, really mm. awesome cheese, all melty all over. And again, it's just a walk and talk kind of thing. Comes in a big plastic sack, grab you that, walk down the street, keep seeing the sights, man. Croak wow. for sure. How about Spreckensee Deutsch? How about the German line? Um, big, big fan of their sausage sandwiches. Went there for the World Cup in 2006. Wait, they have sausage sandwiches too? Yes. What? But Why different kinds. Different kinds of sausage sandwiches. Uh, it, it's really incredible. Uh, and they're on really nice, uh, like, uh, toasty little buns. Um, and they're like two sausages cut in half. I like toasty so, little buns. So it's, so it's, <laughs> so it's almost like a, a burger, but it's, it's oh, sausages, wow. like, cut open. Okay. And then they, okay. you know, whatever you want. But... You know how in America you sit down and you get a bowl of maybe chips and salsa okay. or you get some peanuts, yeah. whatever? In Germany, you sit down and you get fresh, hot pretzels. You get big, big, just soft, mushy, doughy pretzels. And if you're up for it, they have this hot mustard. comes in a little stone jar that's usually sitting on the table and you open it up. And suddenly, everyone within five feet of you can breathe better because nice. of how strong that horseradish nice. comes through. I'm not personally a fan of that, but I know plenty of people are. I'm fine with the uh, breadsticks or the uh, pretzel sticks by themselves, or with a little cheese, a little mm. beer cheese. Nice, nice. Now it's uh, at least for the untraveled. Belgium seems a lot like Germany, but is there are there any like specific Belgian dishes? Fries. Absolutely, the hands-down best fries you're ever going to have anywhere. Wow. They're, um, anybody who went to uh, Bruges here in Broderpool should know that. And the best part of it is they're, not ju- they're, they're really nice, fresh, crunch- crunchy, golden fries. And it's, it's the kind of fry that you bite into it, good crunch, and then the middle is all that puffy, fluffy uh, potato. But the best part like is they've these. got, yes, but you usually get a, a homemade ketchup. A garlic aioli, uh, you know, a, a mustard. They've got a variety of dipping sauces. And again, as you can tell, I'm a fan of the snacks. Sometimes you don't need to just sit down and you're on the run, especially if you're going to be at the World Cup. Yes. Any of these places, you can stop at the Fan Fest and you get some of these different foods. Yes. Grab a handful of Belgian fries. They're the bomb. Awesome. Okay, we are going to go to Portugal. 
went to Portugal in 2004, and I was a brokish young lad, traveling by myself, did not speak the language, and they don't speak English like the rest of Europe does. So it was difficult at times, um, but very similar to what I've mentioned before, you go into a pub there, and they've got a variety of just little pub snacks, and it'll be like a, a big, big pastry ball. Sometimes it's sausage roll. Sometimes it's filled with like minced pork or something oh like that. God. But just, just great. And the best is pair it with a really nice. Um, oh, I'm trying to remember what the the main brand of beer is there, but their local just lager. Oh wow. Nice ice cold beer and a couple of those. You're set. Wow. Okay. Here are the two wild cards. Our friends to the north, Canada. I, I, I have an expectation, and I hope that you meet it. Poutine is the obvious choice. Uh, I mean, it really is. And, um, I mean, it's French fries, melted cheese, and gravy. And the best part is they're fresh fries. Then you put cheese curds, so it's like thick pieces of cheese on top of the fries. The fries start to melt them, and then you pour this scalding hot gravy over the top of it, and it starts to melt. And the best part is this is one of those dishes that everybody starts messing with. Some people put a whole bunch more, like turn them into nachos and put, like, onions and other types of cheese and maybe even more meat on top of it. Some places go, like, a salady vibe, but... Poutine, Canadian poutine is the bomb. Oh my God, my friend. Okay, wild card number two. We are going all the way across the world to Japan, my friend. Japan. What do you think they've got for us, man? I, having never actually been to Japan, I have to rely on um, just you know what I've gotten to experience. Uh, in, in other big cities, obviously Indianapolis doesn't have the largest Japanese population, so I'm not going to sit here and say we, we've got super authentic Japanese restaurants. Um, but I, I am indeed a sushi fan. Um, and again, it is the kind of thing, you know, you can get quick little bites of it and get on the go. Uh, and, and especially over there, they have the, um, uh, I, I, I'm, I, th- I think they're izakaya. That might not be the right term. But they're little bars where they have little finger foods and things like that nice. available. So that would be my recommendation. Uh, and I'm hoping to go to Japan sometime soon. There you go. Last but not least. We're going to learn a little something about you, my friend. What is your favorite American cuisine to sit down to? Well, it, it's, it's fun that you've, you've posed this question. What's up, bud? What's up? It's fun that you've posed this question because I think it's going to be exciting come the World Cup to talk about visiting the different cities that are going to provide, you know, we've got Toronto and and Vancouver. Canada is going to, you know, amazing uh, melting pot uh, of a city is is Toronto. Yes. Not been to Vancouver. I'm excited for it. Then you've got your West Coast cities in America. You've got the Midwest. You've got the South. Got the Northeast, got a little bit of Southeast with Miami and Atlanta, and then going to have Monterey, Mexico City, and uh, Guadalajara oh. pretty close to one another in, in Mexico. So I'm going to say, I, I, I'll probably change my mind on this several times uh, between now and certainly Thanksgiving. <laughs> 
Be, be ready for the day after Thanksgiving, folks. Hey, there you go. Uh, there you United go. States versus England at 11 a.m. We'll I, be here. We're going to uh, be, like, sleeping here. Pretty man. much. I, but I am going to say that, especially for foreign fans who will come here in 2026, and, again, we'll, we'll talk more about this. Hopefully in three years when, you know, we're in syndication yeah. and have full, spon- full sponsorships <laughs> and uh, have deal- deals with people. Yes. And we can talk about other restaurants and bars. Absolutely. Uh, but I- I- I'm going to say right now, if you're planning to come to the United States to the World Cup in 2026, you better oh, get your ass to Kansas City and have some barbecue. Oh, my God, man. That that was awesome. Oh. Yep. Oh. That sounds that's so I want good. some right now. I want some right now. Too. And here's the thing: what you can do is you can go to Kansas City and get some of their barbecue, and then you can drive several hours oh. south and end up in Texas and see how their barbecue compares because oh. it's two different kinds of barbecue, folks. And then if you get a wild hair, drive to the Carolinas and oh, then try oh. some Carolina barbecue. Carolina barbecue. So, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. Another satisfying. Sit hey, Aaron. Down Aaron's tummy. <laughs> Hey, Aaron segment. Ladies and gentlemen, we've reached the end of our show. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, If you're watching us later, please make sure that you smash. You smash that button that says like and also subscribe, okay? Um, We are so happy to be here with you. And now is the time that I get to hand it over to my best friend, Aaron, for his final thoughts. Aaron. What are you going to send us out with tonight, my friend? Yep, just going to add to that real quick. Make sure you're following us uh, where, wherever you enjoy. Uh, Facebook Live is, is, is great, and you can see us later on. Uh, they're always on our page, but we post to YouTube. We are on Anchor.fm, which also sends us out to Spotify. We're trying to get on uh, Apple and, and whatever they do. Uh, but I'm an Android guy, so I don't really think about that all that much. And we're on Instagram. All of those, you can probably find us in some form or another if you search for the Red and Blue Soccer Chat or the Evan and Aaron Show, depending. Uh, but both of them work. The links are below in uh, the description. You'll be able to find it. You'll be able to click on it, and you'll be able to follow us everywhere we go. My thought tonight is, I mentioned it earlier, Evan, being a fan's tough sometimes. Being a fan means sticking by... Uh, a team that you have a tenuous relationship to at best. Um, you know, we're not, I'm not from Manchester, you're not from London, uh, and yet we've found these teams that have become a home for us. We laugh with, we cry, we get angry, we yell at the TV, and we throw things. But at the end of the day, um, we stick by it uh, because of, of, of the, the unity and the camaraderie we feel. And I got to watch that out of my team this weekend. I know sometime this season your team is going to come together and have yes. a game like that yes. and, and demonstrate that unity because I see it amongst Athpilaqueta and some of these guys. And that's what you've got to find in your fandom. It's tough. you know. If, if you're following uh, Nottingham Forest, that might be a tough season. Yep. But you didn't get here yesterday. You're a fan, and you're going to see them through thick and thin. It's, it's weirdly like a marriage, okay? And there's going to be good yes. days and bad days, but at the end of the day, you remember why you came here in the first place. Yes. And what you got to do, folks, is you got to believe. Yes. And when you find those things in life that you do believe in, give them all you got. Give them 110%. Let them know how much you love them, and you'll get it back in spades, folks. So, um, that's my spiel for this week. As Evan said, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Big shout out to Chatham Tap Fishers. 
always loving the whole group. Uh, if you want to watch the game, I'm, I don't mean to, to promote the others, but get to Chatham Tap downtown for uh, 7.30 kickoff for Manchester United because they will be open at 7.15 there, and they've got their full breakfast menu going on as well. Uh, but otherwise, reminder, 10 a.m. here at Chatham Tap Fishers on Saturday, there will be breakfast. 11 a.m. Sunday, no breakfast. Um, hashtag say gay. Hashtag black people vote. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us tonight. This is and has been for the entire hour, the red and blue soccer chat presented by the Evan and Aaron show. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great night. We still are here. So if you want to come on out and join us, come on out. We love you. Take care. Peace.